Well, a very, very warm welcome to you all here today uh, to HDC. If you're here for the first time, particularly warm welcome to you. My name is Jamie Mulvaney, and I'm the Associate Minister for Discipleship here. And it's a great treat to be with you this morning. At the end of our rows, we have these, um, uh, the readings on some sheets of paper. If you'd like to pass those along, uh, then we can all take a look at the reading. So let's read this passage together. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the very end of this letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. And he writes this, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I bet you can't wait for how I'm going to explain that one. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you long for us to know you better. Thank you for your love for each person here in this room right now. And we pray that uh, over these next few minutes, we will receive and learn more from you and help us to be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today is Trinity Sunday. And ever since uh, Thomas Beckett, uh, clergy up and down this country have set aside this Sunday to try to explain the doctrine of the Trinity. That God is Father, that he is the Son, and that he is the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you go to the ruins of Fountains Abbey in North Yorkshire, and you take the tour guide with you. It says there that here in the chapel, uh, the monks gathered every Sunday to hear a sermon from the abbot, except on Trinity Sunday, owing to the difficulty of the subject. And, and it is quite difficult. I mean, three in one, one in three, consubstantial, co-eternal, the perichoretic interrelation of the economic and ontological trinity. I find it quite difficult. And when I was asked to first speak today on Trinity Sunday, I thought, great, perhaps while I'm at it, I can explain the human genome project or or quantum physics. It is quite a lot to get my head around. And then there's the, the, the sort of minor problem of the fact that the word Trinity doesn't even actually appear in the Bible. But then I got excited because I realized the more I looked into this, I began to discover that the the Trinity is not a philosophical puzzle, but it's endlessly practical for our everyday life. It's not some sort of theological problem for theologians to discuss, but it's a dynamic life for us to live. And how, how might this be? Well, Paul ends this letter by saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I was thinking about this the other day. On Monday night, we had our PCC meeting uh, here in the church. And the PCC, they're the the trustees of the church. And I I quite like the PCC. We we had pizza and uh, we had some minutes to check and we had 13 agenda items. 
And, um, but at its heart, really, that the PCC are a whole bunch of different people with distinct gifts and personalities, all united around the vision of the church, which is, is outward-facing. And I thought, what a wonderful picture of the Trinity. Well, kind of. Um, but then we, it was all going so well, and then, then, then we got to the end of the meeting, and then we ended the meeting by saying the grace together, by saying those words from Paul. And I've got a confession to make. Uh, Christians in all sorts of contexts seem to say these words, and, and they make a real point of every time they say these words, they look around at everybody. They get eye contact with everybody in the room. And I just sort of sit there quite awkwardly, sort of going, and the, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship. And I, 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 I just find it so awkward, and I don't like looking around the room at everyone. And if you've been in church for a while, you've probably found yourself just reeling off these words in all sorts of contexts. And we, we take these words out of context. But what is the context here? Well, this letter is not written to a person, but to people. It's written to uh, the church. And yes, it's true that God calls us one by one. But there are no Lone Ranger Christians. And, and Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And it's the wealthiest, it's the biggest, the most important city in Greece at the time. I wonder if that rings any bells for the context that we're in. And he's writing to a church in Corinth that has been struggling. It's a church that's been compromised and conflicted. And it's been under strain. And he writes these words of grace, love, and fellowship with God. And it's this picture of the love of the Trinity. That God is love because the Father loves the Son and the Spirit, and the Son loves the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Father and the Son. And that this love, it overflows. And last week, Michael looked at um, what are we reflecting? What are we reflecting? And we can reflect the Trinity. I mean, after all, we are Holy Trinity Clapham. And yes, we are made in the image of God. And when we understand who we are, it impacts what we do. If we understand who the Trinity is and how it affects who we are, then our lives can be transformed and other lives can be transformed by it too. It's really all about, this trinity is really all about how we can experience and to express the love of God. So how does the trinity love? How does the trinity love us? Well, firstly, the, the trinity draws in. The trinity draws in. And we all know, don't we, what it's like to be on the outskirts, to be left out, to not be picked for the team, and to feel not at the center of things. And we see this magnetic pull of Jesus drawing in the outcasts, those on the fringes, those of doubtful reputation. They're drawn to him. In other words, this is grace. It's the Father's desire that all might come to know him. And we too, here at HTC, want, we want to be people drawing in people of all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of, uh, from all kinds of places. The church is not an exclusive club 
or a clique. And this means that when we're here on a Sunday, we want to not just be looking out for all the usual suspects, but to be looking for those that might be new, looking for those who look on the outskirts and drawing them in, always looking to see how we can extend the kingdom of God. And if you think about our church building, it's this amazing, beautiful, great building here on the Clapham Common. And I think at this time of year, when the sun comes out, we see more clearly than ever that there are far more people out there than are in here. The essence of our church is not a building. It's us. It's you and me. It's the people that make up the church. And I love that so many of you are so great at inviting people along to everything that we do as part of the life of the church. And in, in verse 11, there's this uh, call to rejoice, to worship. And we come together to rejoice, to worship, to be uh, caught up in the love of God, to find God beautiful and to center our lives on him. We're caught up in worship, but we also want to draw people to worship him, which is being caught up in this love of God. The mission of the church exists because there are people that don't yet worship God. Being caught up in this love, it's what we're all designed for. It's where we find purpose. It's where we find meaning. And when we draw in, yes, it also means that it's a vulnerable thing because there's a chance that we might get hurt. Yet Jesus says that everything I have shared with, everything the Father has shared with me, I share with you. And this is what loving and leading looks like for the Christians. By not wearing masks, by when people ask us how you are, actually answering the question. And by sharing what God is doing in us, what he is sharing with me. And as people see the life of the church and see the actual relationship that we have with God, they too will be drawn into the life of the church. So God draws us in and we find ourselves wanting to draw in others as well. Secondly, the, the Trinity sends out. As we are drawn in by God, we are also sent out by God too. And this is the love of God. God is love. And yes, there's this internal love in the Trinity, but it doesn't end there. Because love is more than a feeling. It's a verb. It's an action. And the Father was generous and so he sent Jesus to die for you and me. And the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. And we send too. You think about Luke and the team at All Saints Clapham Park. And one day, God willing, we hope too to plant churches from this church. And, and one of the values that we talk about here at HTC is Generosity. That's not just some sort of nice idea that we've dreamt up, we've thought up ourselves. It's the very life of the Trinity. That as we're drawn into the Trinity, it's like there's this centrifugal force where at the same time we are sent out by God. And this year we've had connect groups 
uh, in this church planting 11 new connect groups. And that's been so exciting to see connect groups uh, being generous with their leaders and creating more space. And, and yes, multiplying is amazing, but there can also be this sense of loss because we feel like we lose that security as we fly the nest. But God gives us wings. And in order for us to mature and to develop as leaders, we need space to grow and to be free, to discover passions and to lead ourselves. And this enables more space for us to draw in others. It's why we're putting on the HTC leadership course in a couple of weeks, which at its heart is really all about being drawn further and further into the life of God, understanding who God really is and understanding who we are. And at the same time as we're drawn in, we are sent out, sent out to love and to lead. And for all of us, when we come here to church on a Sunday, when we come to connect groups, all of us, we are all sent out at the end to go and to bear fruit wherever we are. So God sends himself, and so we are sent to. And as we're sent out, we want to come alongside. The Trinity comes alongside. A few weeks ago, I was uh, coming back from spending the weekend out of town, and, and as I was uh, pulling into Paddington Station, I got a text from a couple of friends here in the church, and they are Connect Group leaders, and, and they uh, invited me to go and have supper at the pub, at the, the rectory, as it's now known, um, and uh, we went for, for supper there. And, and when I arrived, there was um, another friend there too, and she had um, been locked out of her flat We've all been there. I certainly have. And, um, and her flatmate had gone away for the weekend, and uh, she'd gone to her friends, the Connect Group leaders, and uh, she'd stayed the night at their place, and they'd spent the, the Saturday watching Friends together on Netflix. And it, it struck me that in watching Friends together, they were being friends together. And that's what we do in the church. We look to come alongside in the hassles, in the difficult moments, also in the everyday moments, to be with one another. I remember when, when I was um, really ill with chronic fatigue, uh, there were three types of friends that I was really grateful for. There were the, the friends that had been through similar experience to me. They knew what it was like, and they could share that experience with me. And then there were the friends that were just with me, could just watch TV with me, just be there with me. And then there were the friends that sort of helped me to sort of see the bigger picture, to see what God was doing through it all, to get some perspective. And we all need these types of friends, don't we? Jesus is the one who relates to us in our pain. Jesus knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be bereaved. He knows what it's like to suffer pain and to bear the weight of our guilt and our shame. And the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside us, who comforts us, who directs us. And the Father maintains that bigger picture. 
He enables us to see what God is doing in it all, to help us to not lose perspective. This coming alongside that God does for us, this is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And, and this week I saw on the papers there was uh, even more research released that, uh, surprise, surprise, humans need face-to-face time in order to be healthy and in order to be happy. Yet we find it so easy, don't we, to send a text or an email rather than to pick up the phone or to go and see the, the person because it's easier and we can just be a little bit busy or self-absorbed. I think I'm being super friendly by offering to go and buy someone a sandwich uh, for lunch at work, rather than actually carving out the time to go and spend an hour with someone for lunch. But wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if people all across London said that the friendliest, the kindest, the most relatable, uh, the most fun people in London, their friends, their flatmates, their colleagues, were Christians, were those people that go along to HTC. God comes alongside us, and so we come alongside too. So the Trinity draws in, he sends us out, he comes alongside, and he builds us up. And just before the passage that we've read, uh, St. Paul uses this language about building up. And Paul recognizes his power here, his power and his authority in the church. Yet he doesn't use his power for his own gain, but to build up the church. In verse 11, he says, encourage one another. And encouragement is so important, isn't it? I find that for me, I thrive on encouragement. And I find that as someone who receives encouragement, but also someone who gives encouragement, that a little bit of encouragement goes a long way. And Paul goes on in verse 12. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. And maybe the context here was a little bit different with all this holy kissing. And this doesn't mean that we give everyone a peck on a Sunday. But it's not much use, is it? My loving someone, if I never express it, if I never articulate it, if I never put it into words. And it was C.S. Lewis who said that delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they're always pointing to each other. They're always affirming each other. They're always encouraging one another. And it's what we see at Jesus' baptism. As the Spirit descends on Jesus, he hears the words of the Father, you are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And we are the objects of an eternal delight, the eternal delight that God has for us and he longs to express and articulate toward us. And we are to be people of the Trinity, constantly looking to encourage, to build up people around us in our actions, in in our words. And Paul writes in verse 11, strive for restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. And it's not that we're all identical. It's not that we're all the same. But the the Trinity are three persons. They are distinct. 
and yet they are also one. This is not uniformity, but it's unity. The Trinity are different, but they have the same goal. They are of one mind. And centered around Jesus, we too can be of one mind. Each of us with our different emphases and perspectives and passions, but of one mind. And division is so destructive because it mars the image of God in us. That image that we are supposed to represent to the world. And and sometimes friendships can become awkward and strained and we can find ourselves just withdrawing ever so slightly or holding grudges. Yet Paul here is saying, be fully restored. Don't be casual about broken relationships, but strive, make every effort to repair and to build up your relationships. Before his death, Jesus says, he prays to God that we, the church, might be one, just as the Trinity are one, in order that the world might know that we have been sent by him. Paul writes, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And Jesus says elsewhere that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there too. And when we gather together on Sunday, when we gather together in connect groups, God doesn't just sort of sit idly by. He loves to get involved in what we are doing. But it's also about us being involved too. Paul writes the words, with you, with you. He writes these words twice in this passage. And in the Greek, there's this sense of cooperating with God. That we aren't just passengers, but we participate with God. And so in community, we experience the grace and the love of God, but we also express it in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And again, this phrase, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, it sounds old-fashioned, but really it's, it means being in union with the Holy Spirit as an individual, uh, a close, intimate relationship with God, but also the work of the Holy Spirit in uniting us together. And Jesus shows us how to have a relationship with God. I find it mind-boggling that a member of the Trinity is the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. And Jesus shows us how to have this close relationship with God. Even more amazing is he wants this level of relationship with us. And the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit in order that we might know this closeness with God every day. And today God is calling each one of us, to have a closer walk with him, to know the comfort and to know the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps you don't know what it is to live with that experience, and we would love to pray with you. But also, not only is that on offer to all of us, but the Holy Spirit isn't some sort of private download, but he exists in fellowship in relation to us and to others. We experience the love of God and we express it in community. At the royal wedding last week, the service began with these words of the grace. And I thought that was very appropriate because not only are these words the essential foundation for marriage, but they're also the essential foundation for all of our relationships. To be united to be people that, yes, are distinct, but are united around the love and the grace of God and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And last week, it was so exciting to have baptisms here at the church. 
and as people are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and then come out of the water. It's such a public thing because it's not just about the vertical, about between me and God, but it's also about the horizontal, the fact that we are the church. And in a world that is increasingly characterized by self-promotion, by division, and by intense, intense loneliness. We are the people who cry together, who mourn together, who bear one another's burdens, who rejoice together and champion one another. I don't know about you, but I would want to be part of a community like that. There's been a study that has asked the three questions that people most want to hear. And, or the three sayings that people most want to hear. And, and the thing that most people want to hear are the words, I love you. I love you. The, the second thing that people most want to hear are the words, I forgive you. I forgive you. And the third thing that people wanted to hear was, supper's ready. And it's true, isn't it? People all around us are desperately longing to hear these words deep down. We all need to hear the words, I love you, to experience the love of the Father. And we all need to hear the words, I forgive you, to experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all need to hear the words, supper's ready, to experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And as we come now to communion. God is waiting for you and me. He is longing to tell us those words. I love you. I forgive you. Supper's ready. And he's longing for us to share that life, to extend the fellowship of the Trinity with those around us who need it just as much as we do. Would you like to stand?